The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be streamed live. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new, still quarantined, eight months later. Eight <laughs> months later. Uh, Critical and Thinking Podcast, Ty Barnett. Ian Harris. Um, hey, and we've got a, a really special guest today. Uh, like you said, we don't always have guests, but when we do, good. Um, today, uh, my, my, good, my good friend, great podcast host, by the way, uh, Daniele Bolelli is here. Everybody, you know him from... Hey You've seen it. He's got the, the History on Fire, the Drunken Taoist uh, podcast, both phenomenal. If you don't know them, you should. Um, and uh, we, you know, we like talking politics, but a lot of politics is history. And I, I just, you know, we haven't had him on before. And I thought this would be really great during this time to talk to somebody who might have a uh, insight on some of these things that we don't have. And also just because he's a good guy to have to have on. And um also, you know, I, we, he, he trains, he does, he does, he does martial arts. So I like that. Uh, cool, man. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So, Dan- Daniela, can you, can you give uh, our viewers uh, just a brief background of how you come, how you've come to be who you are and what your background is knowledge? Yeah, that is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't look complicated to eat. We seems almost all normal, but anytime I tell people, they're like, that's weird. You have a weird mix. Because <laughs> I do a lot of things. You know, people most of the time tend to specialize in one thing and you know them as the guy who's that one stuff. Right. I tend to be a little all over the place. You know, I, I grew up in Italy. I lived there till I was 18. Moved out here to California at 18 years old. I really did college only because I didn't want to do mandatory military service in Italy. So I was just like, <laughs> I guess I got to do it. So, and it's easy enough because, okay, cool. I read a lot and this thing is yeah. easy, so no biggie. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I have to do an MA to keep the fur in that stuff. And uh, so I ended up teaching. I, you know, I started teaching when I was 27. I've been oh. teaching in uh, American Indian Studies and History. And um, I've been uh, writing books started podcasting, particularly focused on history, but not only. I tend to be, I don't know, there's a lot of things that I'm involved in. And again, to me, it seems like, why wouldn't you? You know, it's like right, right. Uh, life it's, gets it's, boring it's, if you do only one thing or one thing only all the time. I tend to be I'm more of a fan of being good at many things than being the best at one thing only. Oh, so yeah. I yeah, yeah. kind of like that gig of being able to try a few different ones. Nice. Uh, I, I like that. I'm, I'm one of those people too, where like, I just want to be good at like three things. Yeah, I don't need good. a lot. I just yeah. need let me be good at three things enough to sustain my lifestyle. Totally. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know about great. I'm not sure. So yeah, that, that actually is a really good uh, <laughs> way to be because it, it makes, it, it keeps your mind sharp. You, well, you, you, and in terms of time investment too, you know how they say is like it takes twenty uh, percent uh, of energy to get eighty percent of good at something, but then right. it takes eighty percent more to get the last twenty percent. Right. So I'm, I'm I'm a fan of like you know put the the initial low hanging fruit in a few different fields, <laughs> get go. good enough that you're competent, and yes. then you know if you have time you can always get better, but. That's but being it. competent in a few things, I tend to like it. Yeah, it's it's uh, funny. Like I, I always joke around, and it's like I'm. It sounds like I'm being uh, arrogant until I get to the last part. But I always go, you know, I'm almost I'm pretty good at everything I do. But I'm like, I don't know that I'm great at anything I do. Yeah, like, like yeah. you know, I'm a I'm a a, a decent a, a pretty good MMA coach. I, I you know, black belt in jujitsu. I do all those things. Sure. Am I gonna win Abu Dhabi? No. Right. 
right, am right, I going right. to be a world champion? You know, uh, maybe, maybe coach a couple of world champions, who knows? And then like comedy, I'm a good comic. Am I, am I Richard Pryor? No, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a good comic voiceover. I'm a pretty good voiceover artist. I'm not making millions of dollars doing voiceover work, but I make some money doing voiceover work and have made a living. It's like, I feel like I achieve I'm, things are pretty easy, but then there's that point where it's like, what's that next to that level? Like I'm not quite there on anything, but you know, it's good to be good at things. Well, yeah. and I think the problem with that is that you have to really be obsessive to make it to that extra level, right? To where really nothing else exists in your life, where all you right. do is you roll, and then you roll some more, and then you roll some more, and that's right. all you ever do. And if anybody talks to you, you know, they want to talk jujitsu, you're the man. If they want to talk about anything else in life, you're clueless because all you do is roll twelve hours a day. Right, exactly. Well, that's uh, it's, it's funny you said that. I was um, I was actually on another podcast earlier. Today today and we were talking about prior mm-hmm. and and you know his his special his uh, documentary omit the logic and uh it's funny you just said something that to reach that next level like you have to be so obsessed with that to where nothing else is and mm-hmm. there's a handful of people that you see those examples with you see it in jordan you saw it in michael jordan mm-hmm. you saw it in kobe bryant and you saw it in richard Pryor, mm-hmm. to where like they were so laser focused on doing getting it done and that's that's why they reached that level of to where they are whereas you know a lot of other people like you said we're we're good at these things but that next level the obsession to be that next thing um because it already takes it already takes drive to want to do it but but to 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 turn that switch on and be like nah this is it so when i let me ask you when you, you with those types of people do you think uh what do you think what do you think is the hardest thing for them to do uh accept that they have gotten to this point and be like okay i'm cool with it or now switch it to something else and say all right i've achieved this now let me go and learn this other thing yeah i think the great ones can do it you know that's why some of the guys you mentioned were actually you know spectacular in their field but also actually pretty good in other things too which is amazing because it's normally that's not typical you know most people are like their field is their identity and that's all there is nothing else exists outside of it so for the people who are able to have that crazy obsessive focus and then use it for more than just that one field well then you're a god you know <laughs> then you're really doing something amazing most definitely. Uh, so history is, <sighs> I, I don't know where we are right now. And, and, and I'm interested to get your perspective uh, being from another country, but being, you know, pretty much brought up in America okay. since you were 18. What you're seeing now and w- how do you compare that to where you were born? And h- how do you see, why do you think we're here, where we are? Well, I think the... There are certain aspects of American culture that are what made American culture both good and bad at the same time. And right now we see the bad rising in, you know, the the sources are the same, but now it's the dark side. We see it more. You know, a lot of American culture has been built on individualism. And, you know, compared to rigid systems where the individuals get squashed and you don't have a whole lot of a choice and there's not much mobility, there's something to be appreciated in individualism. But of course, like anything else, there is a really heavy dark side that can come in, which is what we see right now. 
zero thinking in terms of the collective, the community of trying to do things that may be mildly inconvenient for you for the sake of helping everybody else and working as a team. You know, it's like, what? You're squashing my individual rights. How dare you? And it's like, yeah. And so there's a balance there. There's a sweet spot there between things, you know, between individualism and caring for a community. There's a sweet spot where things are great, where there's an ideal balance between those two. If you tilt it too much one way or too much another, things tend to fall off track. In the case of American culture, definitely the emphasis has been so heavy on the individual that, you know, you see, I mean, it's the paradox. We live in a culture that is, uh, on average, more affluent than most. And yet, you see how many people are on antidepressants, how many people are killing themselves, how many people... That does not look like the sign of a successful society. No, that's... that's, Yeah. And, and, And the anger, too. Yeah. The, the, The anger, especially. But, I mean, I think this is... We talked about this before. I think it's a racial thing that Ty and I, like back in 2016, I called the whole Trump thing the last stand of the angry white man. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's, um, you know, I, I, there was a meme going around the other day that was like, if, if uh, I think you said it too, Ty, so like if you, uh, if, um, if you're worried about, about there not being a white race anymore or white people being a minority, so does that mean you're saying that, that minorities have it harder? <laughs> and and right. I always say that where it's like, wait a second, if, if white pride and I got to res- preserve the white race and, and in a thousand years, if white people aren't, aren't still around the way we see them now, it'll be a travesty. Yet white pri- privilege doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Of well, course. Well then, then what, what are you trying to give your great, 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 great granddaughter if it isn't the greatness of being white? And I think they feel the slipping away. And it's like, you know, you see these videos of people like, God damn, you know, uh, rap music coming into my little town. I got rid of the country station. Now it's a goddamn rap. It's like, is that because you really hate rap music or is there something else going on here? And I, and I think that's a lot of it is that this just like fear of losing their grip on control that they say mm-hmm. they don't have. No, that for sure. And you see it, and that's been part of kind of the historical trend, and, and that's there. What freaks me out, though, is to see the rise of people who are not white, who buy into really horrendously toxic ideas. You know, the same reason why you see non-white proud boys. It's like, what right. the hell is up with that? You know, it's like, <laughs> That's like some seriously weird cognitive dissonance there that you're like flashing flashing the white power symbol yeah and you're just like okay this is getting really confusing here you know or i i mean i can't even tell you how many times i've heard people who are from many different ethnic backgrounds saying the most horrifically racist things against their own people you know even the guy who just came in here illegally still illegal and is turning around and saying all these damn illegal immigrants we need to shut the gate and leave them out i'm like you know you're talking about yourself right and he's like no no i'm the exception it's everybody else and it's like he has a friend like that actually uh he has a facebook friend that's exactly like that he had a well you said the anchor baby type yeah he i know a guy who um i don't know if he was illegal but i know his wife was because i know both of them um, I believe he was as well. And they had a baby at like, you know, first off underage, I believe, mm-hmm. um, who was born here right. and they were able to stay. And, and now he's a, he, he's a, he works for the government. He's a firefighter. And 
he is a Trump supporter and he hates socialism and he hates uh, illegal aliens. And I'm like, and, and I'm like, so that's strange that a guy who works for a government socialism, yeah. you know, it, it's like, it's like Trump up there last night talking about socialized medicine, socialized medicine. Motherfucker, you, you got treated at Walter Reed, which is a government run government owned hospital yeah it is the the prime example of socialized medicine is it's not even it's not even a private catholic right you know, it's not dominican hospital or or cedar sinai walter reed is a government-run facilities it it is socialized socialized medicine but it's like these people don't they don't know what they're saying like you said with the with the, the proud boys sometimes we get it's tribalism and sometimes tribalism is racism sometimes it is it's racism to like the Proud Boys. Some uh-huh. of it's racism uh-huh. to the to the Proud Boys. Some of those white people, it's racist. Sure, that's their tribe. Sure. To the black guy and the Mexican guy and the and the Andy knows of the world, yeah. he's you know it's a gay Asian guy that's also a Proud Boy. Right. To them, it's some sort of other tribe, even though they're not really accepted by these guys. Yeah. Deep down, it's still their tribe, uh-huh. and and you saw this if you want to go back history, like um, back in the in the you know I'm a big music music guy. And, you know, and, and big into youth cults and whatever. So in, in youth music and that sort of stuff and growing up, you know, and there was the, you had different groups of like punk rock and, and skinheads and groups like this. And if you look back to the sixties and early seventies in England, you had, you had this, which is how they divided. Like, you know, we always hear people say skinhead now and they talk, they think it's a racist. Yeah. The majority of skinheads have nothing to do with racism. But it was divided back in the sixties by groups like the National Front, the British movement, who, who looked at these groups, these tough gang kids, mm-hmm. working class kids in England, and said, how can we split these guys and take over the white ones? Right. And they started it with what was called packy bashing. And it was exactly the same as we have with the Mexicans here or, mm-hmm. the, or people from Central America. The Pakistanis were taking their jobs and they were working class steel mill type yep. people, whatever. And it was whites and blacks and all types of people that would go around beating up Pakistanis. And it was called packy bashing. And over time, they wedged the divide to where it became white people and non-white people. And, and where it started out, they're black skinheads, packy bashing. There were, there were all sorts of Indian skinheads. There were all sorts of white ones. Eventually, it became the British movement, National Front, white racist Aryans, uh-huh. skinheads, and the other groups. And that's exactly the same thing as the Proud Boys, which is odd because the Proud Boys actually wear a Fred Perry shirt, which is the skinhead clothing. That's the old school skinhead clothing. So they're doing that because they know they're trying to tap into the, the racist skinhead movement that happened in the, in the Mm sixties. And, and the fact that there's a couple black guys and a couple, that's not new. They'll eventually get weeded out. Right now they're using them as boot boys to do their work. And they're saying, Oh, it's the Mexicans. And they're here and not to talk for all day, but, but the black uh, people, in America, a lot of them we know are poor and subjugated. So a lot of them are racist against people coming from other countries sure. because they do feel that they're taking their job. Mm-hmm. And that's where these white nationalist people can get into someone yep. um, or, or 50 cent taxes or your job. Mm-hmm. And that's how they can get these people to go along with racist tropes until yep. they don't need them anymore. And this is, and I, I wanted to get get your opinion on this as well, because uh, I I don't know. I mean, I I study just a little bit of history. I'm not uh, 
I mean, I wanted to make sure I, I got this right, this quote, and it taps into what we're talking about right now. It's from uh, Lyndon Johnson. He says, uh, uh, if you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. And yeah, right. I mean, it's like it's the nature of uh, an unequal society where realistically, if you look at the pyramid, the people at the top are few. If you look at it numerically, you're screwed. Because if you want to keep that balance where you get all the goods and most people don't, it's not looking good for you in terms of numbers. So you have to figure out a way to divide people who are otherwise have shared interests. And you do it not through economics, of course, because those are the shared interests are there. You do it in every other way of identity, of, I mean, even the stuff that like the so-called culture wars in US, all the you know, I'm going to pass a whole bunch of policies that benefit me and my five super rich friends. And you're going to go right along with it because I'm going to put, you know, it's about saving unborn babies and we are down against abortion. And it's like, (laughs) and that's just completely like using, you know, it's a smoke and mirror game. It's like you're using things in order to, like your real agenda is something else. You couldn't care less about the abortion or about any of the other stuff issue. But it's like, I'm going to use this to divide people that otherwise would have a lot in common from a social class standpoint. And I'm going to create this stuff to, it's the same thing if you think about it, like indentured servants and, uh, mm-hmm. and slaves during the early days. You know, of course, their lives were almost the same. They were this close. So what do you do? You consciously teach racism and throw a bone to the indentured servants and make their life just a little better so that they do one bond with people who are classic divide and conquer, you know? Let me let me ask you, since since that has been and and to play off of what you just the last thing you said, classic Mm -hmm. divide and conquer. As someone who studies history, why do you think this hasn't been caught on to? Because because we still we still have we still have people who are poor white people hating poor black people, mm-hmm. hating poor Hispanic people. Of course. It, it thinking that those are the people that are taking it from them. If we live in the same trailer park, I'm not the problem. Right. I, I'm not the problem if we live in this, you know what I'm saying? So why do you think that that's something? And, and, and when I say this, I'm saying this as we're on devices where we can literally look and, and mm-hmm. research history. We can look through th- to the past and see where these mistakes were made. Why do you think that this hasn't been caught on to by the people who are being played as pawns? I think there are multiple levels. Like on one level, there's uh, making big changes that benefit large swaths of people take a long time and it's difficult. Making a change that just benefits you and your family can be faster. So if the boss man shows up and say, I'm going to give you a steady paycheck as long as you become the muscle for me to beat up on these other poor people, well, that makes your life better really fast. You don't need to wait for social transformation for this, that, and the other for 10,000. So it's like, it's the classic line, I think was attributed to Stephen Jay Gold, that says, uh, I'm, I can pay half of the working class to kill the other half. Mm. You know, it's yeah. that idea of just like, and so for somebody to have a quick benefit to their life, rather than, uh, you know, working long and hard so that down the road there may be a benefit shared by all, you can see how it appeals to to kind of our selfishness, to our short-term interests, to our right. 
to the fact that one delivers results today versus one may deliver results in the future. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I think that plays a role psychologically in some of this stuff. Never mind the identity part that, you know, if you can create some kind of value or some kind of an identity that people are invested in, but try and you can really ramp it up to 100, then you don't see yourself as having something in common with the guy that maybe from a material standpoint is your same social class and so on. Because these guys listen to that music. We listen to this music. Those right. guys wear those clothes. We are, we are not the same. We just happen to... And, and so you find whatever the differences are, you magnify them to the point where somebody doesn't even feel like they are being played. They feel that those are legitimate differences and that's how they, the way it is. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 that's, and like I said, that's, that's the tribe. They, they'll find ways to get people to be tribe to build until mm-hmm. they can narrow down their tribe. I mean, yep. we see it all the time with, with tribes within tribes. Look at political systems. You have, oh, yeah. you know, like the, 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 the Trump Republicans or the progressives versus the moderate Democrats. You, you see, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, a what's his name? Um, uh, Emo Phillips has a really great joke. One of the best jokes about religion ever where he does this joke about, meeting somebody and go, I'm not going to do the whole joke, but it's like, Oh, are you a Baptist? Oh, I'm a Baptist. Oh, you're a Southern Baptist. I'm a Southern Baptist, Southern Eastern Baptist, Southern Eastern. And they go, and he goes forever. And then he's like, Southern Eastern, Eastern Baptist reformed. Oh, I'm the not reformed. Oh, heretic. And he goes, um, (laughs) that one was genius. I remember that one. That one is genius. So great. And Chad over here says, he goes, that's it. He goes, that's why so much work has been done to dismember the black Panthers who figured it out. The community-based organizations could mm-hmm, act definitely. in concert with each other to actually make change across racial economic economic lines. Mm-hmm. And then Robert says that racism is a great way to divide the working class. Uh, and wealthy owners uh, like keep infighting fighting amongst themselves, and it's 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 absolutely true. And we've seen this over and over and over. And uh, and and you know something I wanted to talk about having again somebody who's a historian on here um, is we see weird tribes that I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were, it was a, it was a political show and they were, it was Minnesota. They were talking to Minnesota voters. And this lady said that she's all the way to almost in Canada, the furthest North. And she said, she sees hundreds of rebel flags, mm-hmm. Confederate flags. And, right. and it's like the whole argument of the Confederate flag is that it's not racist Mm-hmm. It's their heritage. How is it the heritage of somebody who lives almost in Canada? They're so far <laughs> north. Right. And it's like, no, it's, that's not the case. It's a, quit, quit lying and saying it's about heritage. It's the same thing what they say with these, with these statues. It's, oh, these statues are our heritage, and we, can't, we, we will be erasing history. Uh, I don't know how many statues there are of Hitler, Right. Um, or, or, I mean, there, there might be a yeah. couple, I don't know, in Germany and there might be, you know, Italy, probably how many, right. how many Mussolini statues there are. Um, and I still know who Mussolini is. I don't right. even live there. Um, there's lots of places I don't live that I know their history and I've never seen their statue. I, I I've never seen uh, a statue. I've never been to a place where there's a statue of Winston Churchill because I haven't been there. So that doesn't, right. but I know about Winston Churchill. So this idea that, that, that his, the statues are our history. That's where mm-hmm. we learn history. And that also that these statues and these flags, these symbols are the way that, that we represent our culture. 
And then it, to say our culture, it's not about being racist. I, I don't, I don't understand. Well, it, 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 I think it does come down to race. It, basically, those statues are uh, uh, trophies <laughs> for these for these people. They're the trophies for for white people racists who um, who felt like a better time. Look at look at when this person's values were shared across a, a broad scale. And this is what what and and here's why one of the most pathetic things to me about races is that they don't want to own their racism. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what's like, if you look at, to talk about the Black Panthers, you can look and see the faces of every Black Panther. You can go look through history and see exactly what they look like. You can Sorry. find their names and all that. Yet throughout history, racists have always hid their faces. They've hid their ideology. They've hid their locations. The only thing that you see that's bright are their burning crosses. The, and everything else is, is so, you know, like hidden. And so when I say this to people, I'm like, here's part of the reason why I can't believe that you believe what you say you believe, because you hide it. Sure. Like, you can see everything about me and say, hey, look, I believe in equality. I'll, I'll say this here. I'll say it on a conservative show. I'll say it on anybody's, anybody's platform. I've said it in many different parts of the world. Whereas these other people will say, no, 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 we got to maintain that statue over there. Why? Do you live in the park? You don't even live in the park. You barely even come to this park, mm-hmm. but you have to see that trophy. So did you watch the debates? I want to I want to share something with you guys uh, uh, really quick, because Ice Cube has been in the news along yep. with 50 Cent and these clowns talking wait, about. Wait. Um, go ahead, Ian. No, I just, just, I just wanted to, uh, I didn't get, I wanted to ask really quick. We're not, I don't want to get a full, a full answer because I don't want to cut you off, Ty. But are there any Mussolini statues in Italy? As far as I know, no. Okay. <laughs> just want to make sure. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think there are any Hitler statues in Germany. I'm yeah. pretty I don't wrong. think so either. No. Um, America's, hey, we just got to have our participation trophies, right? Uh, so a lot of stuff has been talked about from, you know, basically we're 10 days out from the election and all of that stuff. And so people are still on the fence. They're still on the fence about who, they, which I, I'm, I'm sorry, at this point, if you're still on the fence, you're a Trump supporter. There's no other way to slice it. You can rationalize it how you want, but you can't watch these two dudes speak and literally see their platforms. Well, I'm sorry, platform of Biden, no platform for Trump. Mm-hmm. There's no platform, none, none, no health care, none on wage equality, none of that. So, uh, but what what they've been able to do and to go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about the tribalism and the divide and conquer is that they've used people like Ice Cube to to say, well, hey, look at what Trump is doing when sure. he never worked with them, which, by the way, more people are upset at Democrats for saying if we win, we will work with you. Then they are mad at Republicans for saying we'll talk about it if we win. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to say that again. Democrats have no power right now. None. They have no power. So the only thing they can say is if if we win, we'll work with you. But black people, for some reason, are not questioning why Republicans just won't do it. So I'm going to do a little screen share thing here because I, I, I'm learning to my little toy here. New thing every week. I try to do something different. So I want to show you guys something. This is and I keep sharing this on everybody's page. And, and, and I want to get your, your opinion on this, uh, because 
and this is why I asked you initially about why we haven't learned from historic mm-hmm. mistakes. So I'm going to play this little clip from for you guys really quick. Uh, Paul, can you uh, enable? Uh, one second. Let me go ahead and do this. Sorry. And for the people watching it uh, where you at, please pay attention to this because people keep saying Democrats haven't done anything for black people. They're not doing anything for black people. But for some reason, they don't want to question at all what Republicans are lying about. So well, and also that this whole this idea with Ice Cube, he he this platinum, this platinum plan thing. Uh, it, half of the stuff has already been yeah. passed. It's sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. It was passed by 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 the by the House Democrats. And yeah. also, he's had four years. If he wanted to do something, he could have done something in the last four years. Mm-hmm. The first two years, he had full control. Supreme yeah. Court, uh, uh, the House, and the Senate. He did nothing to help black people other than say, "I'm the best from black people since Lincoln," which is fucking nuts. Exactly. But, but also, what 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 the, the idea that people are like, "Well, Ice Cube is endorsing Trump. He's not endorsing Trump." He said he brought it to both sides to see what they said. That's mm-hmm. all. The one that is endorsing t- Trump is 50 Cent because he doesn't want to pay taxes. And he doesn't want a, a 2.6% increase is the uh, only thing he's going to get. But go ahead. So so to what you said, and if, if, if no one believes what Ian and I just said, I want you to, I'm going to w- play this for you so you guys understand. Well, I think the sound's off, Ty. Voted on and are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk right now and haven't been voted on by a Republican-controlled majority in the Senate. Did you guys hear that or no? Okay. So, uh, and so I want to ask you, um, Danielle, why, because that's obvious. That's right there. And that is stuff that anyone can go look at ignorant racist people do it totally understand that i'm i'm having a trouble i'm having trouble as a black person in america understanding why black people are falling well i mean percentage wise it's not i mean it's a solid percentage but it's not that many you know when you look at it globally like still majority of people don't fall for it however I think one of the problems we're facing that is huge, and I have no idea how we're going to solve it, is the fact that we live in a period where, you know, if you go back 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was such a thing as journalism. There was such a thing as accepted shared facts. Now, you could disagree on the interpretation of the facts, but the facts were there. So now we live in a situation where people don't accept facts as facts. It's like, no, that's a bias source. I'm going to give you my uncle Joe in Nebraska who told me this through this link on YouTube that's just as valid as your... And it's like, if somebody... You know, so many of these discussions are like, you see that two plus two equal four, right? It's like, no, I've seen it on my YouTube video. Two plus two is 27. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, but it's not an opinion. You understand that there are certain things that are fact. We can disagree on the interpretation behind it, on the meaning, but the fact is the fact. And today we don't have discussions like that because journalism is dead. There is uh, no shared, trusted source that everybody say, right. okay, if these guys have fact-checked it and verified it and so on, right. then we can all agree that that's evidence and then we can run with it. 
And so in a situation where people don't recognize evidence as evidence, how do you even begin having a discussion? You know? Right. Yeah. And that's it, it, kind of what kills it. And also to, to clarify, I, I think that um, this whole thing, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch, the platinum plan thing, I don't know even what that is. I think Ice Cube has something that's supposed to be similar. Ice, or, Ice, Cube's, plan, Ice Cube's plan was contract with Black America and, um, and the platinum plan. And then again, there's another interview. The platinum plan was like something else, but it's like some of the same points or some fucking shit. Exactly. And, and, and there's an interview out there with Roland Martin who breaks this down even more. Right. He sits down with Ice Cube and he, he lays it out that there's a one sheet there's a there's one sheet of the platinum plan from Trump that is vague. Right. There's a bunch of stuff in there that's whatever, but it's one right. page. Right. Versus the 22 page. Right. Detailed thing from Democrats and right. So I just just wanted to clarify that with the platinum plan thing, like that's Trump's thing. Yeah. That everyone is saying, oh, Trump is Trump is taking the platinum plan from from Ice Cube. It's like no, no, Ice Cube has his plan, but they're saying, look. This, the platinum plan is Ice Cube's plan. It's like, no, no, no. It, some of those things are kind of vaguely on there, but all the real stuff has already been passed and sitting in the, in the desk. They're, they're different plans. The point is that people keep conflating the two, and I, and I, I misspoke. So anyway. Yeah, no, and, and, but see, and this is why, you know, because uh, Reggie here says that uh, Ice Cube, it's the same thing. He had his own plan. Okay. And, and there you go. Corey said, Corey said uh, you know, um, and Corey and I actually talked about this at a, at a different time. And... But like I said, the thing that's frustrating for me and, and what I'm trying to figure out, because, you know, uh, those who forget what you say, how's it saying? Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And and I, I see this because I don't think people learn this with Hillary Clinton. Now, I, I want to be very clear when I say this. Never once have I said Hillary Clinton was perfect in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. I remember watching her speak of the DNC and actually thinking, man, she knows what she's talking about, but I promise you something is, uh, people aren't liking this. But everything she's saying makes sense. It's almost like when the principal gave you the, the announcement announcements over the loudspeaker at school, you're like, okay, this is where we gotta be for lunch, and this is what we gotta do. But you may not like the principal, but the principal is the best person to be in charge. I see people making the same mistake with Biden. And, and, and when I watch them and they say, oh, he looks old and he looks weak. First of all, he has a stutter. Stop stop acting like the stutter is, is his mental capacity. It's a stutter. Secondly, he actually is talking about stuff that makes sense as opposed to the other guy that who's just lying loudly. Mm -hmm. So have you, and, and, I, and I don't know how it is in, in, in Italy, have you ever experienced anything like this? So has anything like this ever happened with the disinformation and misinformation to where it's messed with their citizens the same way? I mean, I think, yes, sure, it has happened. I think the difference now is that uh, something that should have been amazing, you know, the democratization of information through internet that should have been this phenomenal thing. I mean, in some way, sure, it does deliver some great stuff. But the problem is that everybody has an opinion, everybody can write and on the surface, unless you really do your homework, this side could be just as valid as this side. And, and so that's where it gets like people then, unless you invest a monstrous amount of information becoming educated, I'm sorry, a monstrous amount of time becoming educated and sifting through information, figuring out what's legit and what's not, 
it's very hard to figure out because you get people who will quote some partial study that kind of makes sense from year to year. If you look deeper, not so much, but there's something there. And to come to one conclusion. And the next person will show you a partial truth to come to a completely different conclusion. And the average person is going to look at it and go like, I have no damn idea, but uh, these guys, uh, they seem nicer. I'm going to go with it. You know, it's, it's kind of like the Trump thing back in 2016, where he said, uh, you know, I could walk down the street and shoot somebody in the middle of the street and not lose a single vote. Yeah. He wasn't lying, right? No. Like, that's exactly where it's at. It's like facts no longer matter. What you do no longer matters. And unfortunately, something that could and should have been amazing, such as internet, really, which like the kind of the amount of information that we consume today is on a scale unprecedented at any other time in history before is coming with some major problems. You know, it's coming, it certainly has given us some amazing things. There's no argument about it, but it's also coming with some major problems and we haven't really figured out how to take the good without all the crap. Well, and and, and the the biggest thing is that, that, um, I mean, this has been a problem since before the internet, but the internet has really exposed it. Um, And this has been my diatribe since I was a teenager. We don't, people don't know the people are not taught critical thinking skills uh-huh. and people don't know how to check yep. facts. They yep. don't know where they get good information. And when I hear people say like, oh, oh, you look at Snopes. Oh, you're looking at fact check. Oh, you're looking at this article or that article or you believe the Jew- New England Journal of Medicine. Hold, hold yeah. on two seconds, Ian, because I want you to answer some in your answer right now with that. In, in the same thing. How much of it is is you think people don't know how and how much of it is it you think people don't want to but continue with what you're saying i I think i think it's a little bit of both i think confirmation bias and cognitive check it this is wrong or this is it sucks to go Sorry, I was wrong. Right. It sucks to go, but it also is good to go, you know, if you say, hey, blah, 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 and someone goes, whoa, 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 that was the old information. The new information actually says this. Sometimes it sucks to go, man, I've been spouting something that's wrong and they changed it a year ago. I didn't know. But also it's good to go, oh, thank you for that new information. Now I have a better position. For mm-hmm. the, the thing is that people want to be right all the time. And they will fight for whatever they can to keep being right, even if they know they're wrong, because the pain of being wrong for a moment is, is what is, is scary to them. When in reality, what you should be concerned with is having the right beliefs and the right information. And right. that requires change and evolution. And that's just how things work. But it's a really hard thing to do. I mean, everyone, everyone, I don't know anybody out there that, that can easily be like, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I was wrong, cool. And I got new information. And that takes practice. And it, it takes being able to, be, to not be insecure, mm-hmm. to, not be, to be able to be self-reflective and go, yep, I made a mistake. But also, you know, it, this idea that people go, that, that we, we have so many uh, so much misinformation out there that, that feeds this stuff. Like you watch these videos, you hear people say, oh, well, this medical study, you know, yes, there is such thing as big pharma. There are pharmaceutical companies. But this idea that just because somebody donated money to a campaign or just because Pfizer paid for the study, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that those people are now bought and paid for by that company. It just doesn't. You can look at the way the study's done and see if it was done double-blinded, if it was peer-reviewed, if it was done all these things that are checks and balances to make sure that there's as little bias as possible. So just saying, oh, that study was done by Pfizer. Well, of course it was done by Pfizer. It's their product. They needed to to do the clinical trials on it or or whatever it is. Or, oh, the Koch brothers or donated to, to, uh, to Kamala Harris, so she must be right wing. Well, they also donated it to every single person on the planet because that's what they do. It doesn't mean that they called her and said, thousand bucks coming your way, make sure you do us a favor, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That might be what they're donating for. It might not be. Right. But the fact is that to have this goofy, cynical, cynical view that anyone who takes money from anyone is therefore in their pocket, when they're taking money from everyone just to compete, so, it, but that's the, the view we have nowadays where people go, oh, well, CNN reported it and CNN is owned by this company, liberal, so therefore this and that, so therefore I can't believe them. They had 10 people on. They interviewed a doctor and a scientist and this. All these people are being paid off by whoever owns CNN to do a fake study to tell you that COVID is real. Like the level of this stuff is nuts, mm. but that's what we're told all the time. Um, I, Daniel, I want to, I want to ask you, uh, uh, Nixon, Let, let's uh-huh. two seconds. Let's talk Nixon. Uh, because people have uh, already said that they've compared Trump, uh, Trump's administration, uh, to Nixon to send sure. this erupt in history. If you put Nixon at say one, uh, as far as corruption, one being low, 10 being high, where would you put Trump if Nixon's at one? I mean, I think, no, Trump is ridiculously high, but I think the difference also is that Trump benefited from the post-Nixon times in the sense that, you know, what happened with Nixon? Nixon was probably the last time when majority of people in the U.S. still trusted their government. Right. You know, there was some cynicism, of course, some legitimate questioning, all of that. But it hadn't become that explicit, you know, post uh, Watergate, post Pentagon Papers, post all these revelations where suddenly they lifted the curtain and show you what happens behind the scenes. And the majority of people realized, oh, my God, the level of corruption is off the charts. We knew there was, but this is way more than anything. Since then, since exactly that time, cynicism toward politics has only grown progressively more. Right. So what's happening today is that everyone, absolute, and with legitimate reason, but everyone hates the classic professional politician, you know? And if you look at the last few elections, that trend has been on the left, on the right, has been super clear. I mean, if you look at like uh, when Obama won the presidency, Obama, realistically speaking, in terms of political experience, had way less than most people who made it to the presidency. But that, unlike in any other field where having little experience is a damage, in politics is an advantage because the idea is that if you have had experience, that means you have been corrupt like all of them, right? Right. So then you go to 2016, and among Democrats, you know, you have uh, Hillary who comes across as the classic professional politician who did this and that. And, uh, and she had, you know, she won solid but she had she struggled way more than she should have against the bernie who you know think about it like 
the fact that Bernie could give her a hard time, Bernie being, you know, 305 years old, explicitly <laughs> atheist, explicitly socialist, you know, things that if you want to run a list of things, how not to be elected, you do all those things. Yeah. And he still gave her a hard time back then and even recently on the Democratic side. And on the Republican side, you have, you know, all these classic Republicans, each one trying to out-conservative the other by one millimeter to trying to cater to their base, but not so much that they alienate the general electorate kind of thing. And then Trump arrives and is so batshit crazy off the wall, just saying things, and people like it, which is insane, but you can see why. Because if the standard is professional politicians are evil then anybody who comes from a different side must be good, which, of course, that's not the case. But you can see the logic there for why. And it's interesting to see where we go from there, because, you know, what's the next step? Do people go back to the traditional professional politician with all the corruption that that entails? Or they take the next logical step after Trump, which is Kim Kardashian for president. Because I want to I'm going to tie this to to you in. Um, so two things. One, I understand why that would work in, in 2016. He comes off and says, I'm not a politician and sure. I don't do any of that stuff. But as Ian, I want Ian to lay this out because he's, he's said it multiple times. And, 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 and Trump had not affected the country in 2016. Mm-hmm. 2020, he's lied about a pandemic. That pandemic has led to oh, yeah. record unemployment. Uh, we're on the verge of a, a depression. Uh, people have been die- uh, died. Their livelihoods have been upended. The economy mm-hmm. has crashed. The economy that he inherited that was good, he had nothing to do with making it great or anything like that. Uh, rise in hate crimes. Uh, un- unprecedented, just chaos. Our world standing is shitty. All of this stuff has happened unto him. So it, for him to still come across as this person as, hey, I'm not a politician. And this is why I want to lead to you, Ian. Ian says this all the time, is that like this dude is, the, he exemplifies what a politician is. Sure. So well, go yeah, ahead. I mean, that's what what I was going to say too, is that it, it, like, like you're saying this, uh, Daniela was saying, it, he's right that People have this perception, but the fact is that the perception is still their, their confirmation bias because they're still not looking at any of this um, logically or critically based on fact. Because even Bernie, who I'm a, I like Bernie, I'm a Bernie fan, but Bernie is one of the longest career politicians we've ever had. Bernie has been a politician mm-hmm. for like 50 years. So, so to say, oh, I, I, like, I don't like Hillary Clinton because she's a career politician, but I like Bernie Sanders is nuts to say, oh, I don't like people who are political, but I like Trump, who is the most corrupt guy we've ever had in office. Everything he does is political. Everything he does is political, but for his own doing. Like you talk about these guys that get into power and then the first year is doing some legislation and then the next three is campaigning for the next election. He's been campaigning for Trump Forever. Like when people go, oh, he used to be used to be for abortion and he used to be a Democrat and he used to be this and he used to be that and he used to be. Yes, he's whatever the flavor of the month is that gets Trump paid. So if Bill Clinton is the president, yeah, he's a Democrat and he's hanging out with Bill Clinton and they're and they're doing this stuff and they're going to parties. And then it's George W. Bush and then he's his buddy. And it's it's whatever benefits Trump, which is the ultimate in politician is the guy who says one thing to your face and says something to the opposite to this guy's face to benefit himself. So this idea that 
that people say, oh, I, want, I don't want a politician. Well, first off, you do want a politician. You want a good politician who is as least corrupt as possible. It's like saying, it's, it's just like the cop issue. They go, oh, Democrats don't want cops. And then, and Republicans are like, we're pro-cop. It's like, no, I'm pro, I'm just pro non-corrupt cop. Right. So, so it's not that it's either no cops, which some people on the left are like, give it up all cops, you know? And then other people are like, more cops and, and, and authoritarians and, and, and you know, uh, a martial law. And then there's other people going, hey, can't we just keep cops and get good ones and train them and have them not be corrupt and have them not look out for each other all the fucking time? And that's the same thing with politicians. But we could easily do this. I mean, that's going to be easy. But if we did what some other countries did, get rid of the money, make it a certain amount. They can only take in a certain amount. They can only spend a certain amount. And you have to spend what you take in. And there's a P. Uh If that's $10 million, if that's $100 million, if that's $1 million, and you only get X amount of, of ad campaign time. And that's what you get. And, and they, shouldn't be, be, they shouldn't be allowed to lie either. It has to be fact-checked. It has to be fact-checked by, by a committee who says uh, multiple people who, who can maybe a bipartisan committee who can look at it and look up the numbers and go, here are the numbers that ad. You have to change this wording in this ad because this didn't happen. And then they can run those ads. And, and also it should be a limited period of time. They're not allowed to do anything, rallies, advertisements on commercial commercials until six months before the election. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Why not? Uh, real quick uh, question, uh, comment. Uh, Corey said uh, to, in reference <laughs> to you, Daniele, he said, uh, bat shit crazy sounds awesome with an Italian accent. <laughs> so uh, right. he, uh, he says, um, is it is it is it bad that I feel Kim K is way better uh, uh, option than Trump? No one on earth has bent over backwards for black men more than she has. <laughs> <laughs> She's bent over all directions. There you go. Uh, That's the point. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, to me, it's 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 also bizarre how easily duped people are. But but I mean, like I said, how easily people are duped are people that. I mean, Trump said it last night. How many times have you heard this? Biden's been in office for 47 years and he hasn't done anything. Mm -hmm. Trump's only been there for four years and you're going to blame him for all the problems. Uh, First off, I'm going to blame him for the problems since he took over. So, yes. Uh, Second of all, Biden has never been president. He wasn't in office for 47 years. He was one of 500 members of Congress to vote on something. You know, how many, you, know, you know how many people are members of Congress now? We have 100 senators. We have what, how, however many, I don't know the exact number of, of representatives for something. We have a number of representatives, a number of, of senators, and they all vote on things. One guy, uh, you need at least 50% to do anything. So one guy isn't changed. So why didn't Joe Biden put this in? How the fuck was he, was one guy supposed to change it as a senator, and then he was vice president for eight years, which is is not really much of a legislative job. And the last four years, he's been a citizen. So this he's been a politician for forty seven years is complete well, fucking nonsense. Well, you can you can play that when you have people that don't want to do the work, and and that's what you know we've been saying is that, and that's why I asked you how much of it is people who don't know how to research versus people who don't want to research. They want they want to make they want to feel better about their choice, whether it's a good or bad choice or not. This guy uh, embodies uh, evil. 
And I'm not saying that as an exaggeration. I'm not saying that for hyperbole. I'm saying that he embodies evil. And the people who are still with the people who are still with him or on the fence are evil as well, because there is no way in the world, bro. There is none that you can look at those two dudes speak and actually look at their records, look at their track records and what they've done and what they've promised to do. And then say that this dude is still on the table as an option. And when I say this, I'm saying this to people who have to wear a mask still. I'm saying this to people who still have the social distance. I'm talking to people who are on, on unemployment. I'm talking to people who are homeless. I'm talking to entertainers who for some reason act like, oh, well, we still have to think this out. You don't have any clubs to perform at. You don't have any theaters to perform at. If you were, if you were, we were just in New York and they said the theater district is closed until May of next year. Uh-huh. Not only does that affect the, the, the actors, not that affects the stagehands, that affects the, the people who go there to work the theaters, and it affects the restaurant industry all around that area. Tourism. All, I said again, and all tourism. tourism. All of this under one administration. So I'm going to keep saying this. I know we only got a few minutes left. I'm going to keep saying this. If you still don't understand that this guy in office has to go, you are the problem. You can rationalize that shit all you fucking want. You can talk about ice cube. You can talk about iced tea. You can talk about iced coffee. I don't give a fuck. It still means that you don't understand what's at stake. And if you let this dude get in office another four years, fuck you, fuck your family, fuck everything about you. I am so goddamn tired. I'm so tired of being nice with these people. I'm so tired of trying to use facts. I'm so tired of trying to get people to be empathetic. And to black folks, let me tell you something. You keep focusing more on a fucking 94 crime bill as opposed to the dude that right now is trying to sue you, sue to take away your fucking health care. You keep focusing more on the night. Exactly. You keep focusing more on a crime bill as opposed to the dude that is supported by every fucking hate group in America right now. If you let this dude get in and you focus more on on somebody's stutter, you deserve what the fuck is going to happen to you. You fucking deserve it. (sighs) And can I want to ask I want to ask Daniele one thing um, and we don't have to get too into it, but I just I really want honest take because. We have our bubbles. Like people always ask me, how come you don't block people? How come you don't unfriend people? Mm-hmm. I, I, I do unfriend people every now and then if they get violent or if they get, or if they're just so over the top, I can't stop. But I don't because one, I don't want to be accused of being in a bubble. But two, I don't want to actually be in a bubble. Um, mm-hmm. And now my, my home phone is ringing, which is fantastic. Um, so uh, I forgot to unplug it, but that's okay. Anyway, um, so the thing is, I don't like being stuck in this bubble and I, I, I like to have facts. I want to be factual as, as factual as possible. But one of the things that, that we do have a problem with, we all have a problem with, we look at, we get news from memes. We, mm-hmm. we, we share things that, Oh wow, that sounds right. And it's confirmation bias. Oh yeah, that's it. And we share it. And we talked about this when we had Richard Carrier on about the Jesus thing where it's like, yeah, there are all these things where they say, Jesus shared these same historical facts with, with these people. And that's a meme like Horus and Osiris and Dionysus and things like that. And while that's true, it's not as true as people say it is. Uh-huh. And one of the things that we've been hearing about Trump, um, and I've seen it on a lot, I've seen uh, Robert Reich or whoever, and I've seen a few people talk about the things that Hitler did to when he, when he got into power, like certain, certain steps. Sure. He's like, these are the yeah. 10 things that fascists do, right? Get rid of the news. Uh, down, call the press the lying press. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. was it the 
the leaving process or whatever. Like these, these things that they do, cage people, hysterectomies, whatever, all these things, and this list of things they do. And you hear people go, oh, come on. This is so ridiculous. You're so over the top. Every right-wing guy isn't a fascist. You said this about George W. Bush. You said Ronald everyone's going to be the next hit. Um, but I feel like Trump actually is playing the Mein Kampf comp playbook to, to a certain degree. Do, do you think that's, that's hyperbole or do you think there's actually to that? Well, I think one thing, like you mentioned earlier regarding Trump, the, um, the being willing to change face, because ultimately it's not about values. It's not even that he's as conservative values. He's a guy who is about himself, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It's not about uh, values on the left or on the right. It's, it's a cult of personality. It's, you know, I was uh, more recently doing a bit of a deeper dive into researching Mussolini, and it was interesting to me because how hard it was to define fascism because fascism took some positions from the left, most from the right, but it, it wasn't as clear-cut as you would think. Mm-hmm. And part of it was because guys like Mussolini were really about themselves, and anything else was secondary. You know, it wasn't about ideology, it wasn't about values, it wasn't about anything, it was about what's the way to get power and to keep power. Now, eventually that meant being super right-wing, but that's not even how it started. And this willingness to be this like constantly changing face for the sake of holding on to power is the one characteristic that I've noticed about Trump that I do notice about the growth of Mussolini and the growth of early fascism, of just this mix, not having a, this clear-cut platform that is what you stick to all the time necessarily, but being willing to just morph for the sake of ultimately power for the sake of power more than because you are a true believer. Now, not that true believers are nice people because there are some true believers who are believers in horrendous values that is like, that's not a better alternative. But at least there's a certain degree of intellectual honesty and consistency with it, no matter how awful those values may be. In Trump's case, there's not even that. There's, uh, it's purely about how do I get power? How do I get to feed my ego? Which is the blueprint of a Mussolini kind of story. Um, I, know, I know you got to get ready to go. So I give one last question for you uh, and you can make it as quick uh-huh. as possible. What is, if you could go back to any time in history and visit it for three, four days, where would you go? I uh, recently, during COVID, I decided, uh, I'm like, screw it. I haven't played video games in a million years. I'm going to get myself a video game. So, and I found the video game that's perfect for me. I was like, Far Cry Primal, that's all about basically being a caveman 14,000 years ago. All right. And I'm fascinated because, I mean, that's ultimately what we as humanity have been for most of the time we have been around. And everything else that we know as history is a dot compared to that lifestyle. And not that that lifestyle is great because, you know, you have saber to tiger. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to worry about them dinosaurs. You know, there are (laughs) 10,000 things that are going to kill you and mess you up. So it's not that it's like, oh, fun. But I'm fascinated by that lifestyle. But uh, hunting and gathering before any civilization, before any of the big... Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do that. I, I have trouble sometimes putting on clothes to go to the grocery store. Right. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> funny. You know, they they say that that uh, technology. I forgot the exact quote, but te- how technology um, 
to or to somebody else uh, to a, a prehistoric or, or to a to a past uh, yeah. culture is indiscernible for magic. Yeah, of course. Right. So and and that's why magic works because if, mm -hmm. if you can't you know like uh, James Randi who just died by the way uh, huge loss for the world but James Randi uh, rest in peace buddy but um you know he he. He used to say, you know, he had a documentary called The Honest Liar. And that magicians are the most honest people in the world because they tell you they're lying yeah, to of you course, of right course. in front of your face and you still, you still believe the lie. But I would love to go back to any time in history with not even technology, just, just like certain things I know now, like jujitsu. Mm -hmm. That would be like a super, you'd be like a superhero to people. Right. <laughs> people don't know how to do it. Like hand-to-hand -hand combat, you would be... The nothing, yeah. no one could stop that. If you went back 200 years and knew jujitsu, you'd be, you'd be ruling people. I would go back to four years ago, uh, and 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 undo some shit. So anyway, <laughs> cool. uh, I know we got to get ready to wrap this up, uh, Daniele, bro. I got to say thank you, thank you, thank you for thank doing you. the show, man. Uh, I, I I am always appreciative of people coming on the show with real information. Uh, a different insight and, and a perspective that uh, a lot of our viewers probably haven't heard because we haven't, I mean, I haven't, some, some stuff Ian has. So I want to thank you. Tell people about where they can find you and see you more. Um, you know, Google is your friend. So if you manage to spell my name right, I'm sure you'll find all the good stuff. But, uh, <laughs> you know, right now I'm doing uh, two podcasts. I mean, beside the fact that I have a bunch of books out there, I'm doing a couple of podcasts, you know, Ian mentioned at the beginning, Drunken Taoist, which is free on all kinds of platforms. History on Fire has a lot of it that's free. You know, the first 50 episodes or so, that's like over 100 hours of content that are free. I still put out a couple of free episodes a year, but then I have a few that are behind the paywall. But again, if you have never checked it out, you have a long, long way to go to decide that you really like it before you ever have to worry about paywalls or not. And uh, I think those would be the main ones. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, cool. Yeah, and great, and, and and very recommended, by the way. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and then and for for us here, be sure to uh, um, you know find us, like us. We always go Facebook Live every Friday at noon, and we record, and the, you can watch the video, and you can chime in, and you can make some comments, and you can ask questions, and you can say what you want to say. You can even call in sometimes. Uh, no one's called in yet, but we do post the numbers. Um, but also, uh, you can find us. We've been the post all they they go on all the regular podcasts. A lot of people watch on Facebook. Don't realize. But then it's on iTunes and Stitcher and all those podcast sites as well for free uh, later on. So be sure to download it, like it, rate it, all that sort of stuff. If you want to give us some money, you can go to our Patreon, although we don't really do anything there. But hey, we enjoy it anyway. Give it a go to patreon.com slash critical and thinking. Um, and yeah, I mean, same thing as like Danielle said, I'm easy to find. Um, and uh, just Google is your friend, Ty. Uh, you can find me at comedianthybarnett.com, which has links to all the other so social media platforms. Uh, and I will be appearing at uh, Charlie Good uh, Goodnight's Comedy Club in Raleigh this upcoming next week, Halloween weekend. So uh, if I don't see y'all, uh, it's because they got me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you guys. Critical thing. I want to thank our special guest again, bro. Uh, you have been awesome. Uh, Danielle Bolelli, thank, thank you so much. Vote. Vote, vote, quit falling for the bullshit. Vote, 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 vote. I cannot say it. if you don't vote, don't ever talk to me. Period. <laughs> All right, critical thing of podcast, Ty Barnett. Ian Harris, we'll see you. Thanks.
Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you, bro. Out.